Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Paul Allen Harris has supported Independent Tech News directly for five years. Be like Paul. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, March 12th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from warm, sunny skies, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, thank you to Lamar uh, and Sarah and Roger for doing yesterday's show uh, in my absence in an entertaining, informative way that actually helped me. You guys rock. <laughs> yeah. Tom's like, it actually helped. It really, it really I was does. informed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm just thankful. That, I, ho- well, I hope that came through. Anytime, anytime. We are going to talk about Tim Berners-Lee and his vision for the future of the web and saving it from itself. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Twitter's rolling out a new prototype app called Twitter, and that's spelled T-W-T-T-R. Is that familiar to you? That's what Twitter was once called back in its early days. It's an experimental testing space that Twitter says is designed to get feedback from testers on new features, such as a few that the company did demo at CES this year, such as different designs for replies so you can see them more easily in a thread, uh, indented conversations, color-coded accounts. Twitter says only a couple of thousand of English and Japanese speakers will be invited to Twitter with no vowels for now, but no one is under NDA, so we'll hear what they have to say. Jack Dorsey's famous first tweet was just setting up my Twitter. D-W-T-T-R. <laughs> Twitter. Microsoft will start sending push notifications to Windows 7 users to warn them the end of support is nigh. In fact, it's January 14th, 2020. It will start warning consumers about the cutoff date next month. Microsoft's end of support date means that Windows 7 and Office 2010 will no longer receive security updates. So they will highly encourage you to find a solution that doesn't involve continuing to use an insecure version of Windows 7. 
Spotify Premium has a new perk. It includes a free subscription to Hulu's ad-supported plan, which is normally $5.99 per month. Hulu subscribers who don't have Spotify Premium will need to cancel their billing through Hulu and then resubscribe through Spotify if they want to get the discount, and then they have Spotify Premium as well. The promotion has a couple of restrictions. It isn't available on family plans and also restricts adding premium channels like Showtime or HBO to Spotify accounts. All right, let's talk a little more about uh, some some end of they are going to and now they own it. This is one of my personal bugaboos is people saying, well, now that, you know, Amazon owns Eero and I'm like, hold on, they don't actually own Eero yet. Let's wait until they do. Well, today is the day. Amazon has officially acquired. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Mesh Wi-Fi company, Eero. Uh, Amazon Senior Vice President of Devices and Services, Dave Limp, told The Verge that the company would not change a word of Eero's privacy policy. And the plan is to, quote, not change anything at Eero at all. Eero does not track user internet activity, according to its policy. That's not going to change. The hands-off approach is similar to Amazon's purchase of doorbell company Ring, which more or less still operates independently. Uh, Amazon is doing some discounts on Eero bundles today to, to celebrate the fact. Uh, and I would point out Amazon has acquired Audible, Comixology, Zappos, Goodreads, uh, the list goes on, and generally been very good about only integrating where it really made sense. Like you can buy an Audible uh, audiobook on Amazon and it'll show up in your Audible account, but not forcing these acquisitions to become part of their main company. Yeah, I mean, it's outside of the tech news circle, uh, I think a lot of folks are still unclear of the fact that Amazon owns all of those companies that you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I You know, if you am, go to audible.com, it's just Audible. I'm looking over at my Eero router right now though, and I will say that it is I I'm I don't, I'm not a tinfoil hat person. I don't think Amazon's going to suddenly start tapping my router, but here we go again. It's one more thing to think about. Like, oh, well, an Amazon-owned company 
is the cloud manager of this router. And I don't pay for Eero's service, so less of my data goes through their cloud. Uh, some of it is just passing through the router. And, you know, it is fine for a router to have cloud services and, and it, when properly audited, know that those cloud services aren't on all the time. So not every bit going through your router is going through Eero's servers. Uh, but I hope that stays true, I guess, is what I'm well. saying. Well, you, you mentioned, okay, well, it's just one more thing to think about. If Eero had stayed independent, does that quell your, uh, not fears, but your, 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 your mild concerns anymore? Because I would think as a smaller company, you're almost more vulnerable than you are under the Amazon umbrella. Sure, like you, you could end up going out of business or, or making some horrible deal with a third party to survive that, that compromises my data. Uh, certainly, Amazon is better than those situations. But gosh, wouldn't it have been great if, I don't know, a different company that wasn't Amazon, Facebook, or Google had bought them to strengthen both those companies instead of a company that doesn't need to be strengthened more buying them? Yeah, I, I think I have Elizabeth Warren on the brain, but I I, <laughs> I, 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 I now, all of the, uh, and, and you bring up good points, and I sort of say to myself, like, and what would that company be? Uh, Who would well, that company be? August is owned by a traditional lockmaker. Uh, I could see you're okay. branching out like, oh, we we have a little bit of networking stuff with the, with our locks. Let's let's buy a, a mesh Wi-Fi router company. Same reason Amazon wants it. They want to make it part of a smart home. Disney announced Tuesday that its acquisition of most of 21st Century Fox will happen at 12.02 a.m. Eastern Time, March 20th. At that time, the Fox Broadcast Network, Fox News Cable Channels, and the National Sports Channels will be spun out as a new company called Fox Corporation on March 19th. Disney is in the midst of selling the Fox Regional Sports Channels as part of its agreement for regulatory approval in the U.S. 21st Century Fox President Peter Rice will become chairman of Walt Disney Television and co-chair of Disney's Media Networks Unit. So there we go. We can all get up to, to celebrate. Happy Marvel Woo! Unification Day. Yeah, uh, we've been talking about this for a while, so it's... Uh, we, uh, quite a few deals that have officially closed. In yeah, the and a couple things to think about. Uh, obviously, as of March 20th, uh, Fox can start making Marvel movies, 21st Century Fox, the studio, which their head will stay in charge, will start being able to make Marvel movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, without having to have any kind of special cooperation because they'll all be part of the same company. I mean, I guess they'll still have to have some special corporate cooperation, but it'll be <laughs> super easy because they're part of the same company. Uh, and... And uh, Disney Ooh, will... Oh, goody. More Marvel movies. I can't <laughs> Disney wait. Will... There aren't enough of them. Uh-huh. So you're on that side of that fence. That's interesting. Uh, uh, and Disney will have until June, because I think it's a 90-day limit to sell off these Fox regional sports networks. My guess is they will continue to operate as Fox Sports Midwest, Fox Sports, wherever they are, uh, until they get sold. And it's anybody's guess who's going to buy them. Uh, the Yes Network got sold back to the Yankees. Uh, that's the only one I know of that has been settled. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels were looking at buying Fox Sports California. Uh, so they may get chopped up and sold to the individual sports teams. It'll be interesting to watch. Interesting, too, that, and you mentioned this when we were talking about the stories in the pre-show, Tom, that the head of uh, the, the, the FX will now be the head of Disney TV, which at least in my mind, are two very different properties. Yeah, 21st Century Fox president Peter Rice will become chairman of Walt Disney Television and co-chair of Disney's Media Networks unit. Uh, so 
the 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 FX person uh, and and more than that, but this that's the part that's going with sure. Peter Rice over to Disney mm-hmm. as far as TV goes. Uh, will also be the the chair of Disney and Disney Junior and XD and Freeform and ABC uh, the the network. So that's yeah, it. R- really really runs the gamut. So anyway, March twentieth, you can start saying Disney owns Fox and start like actually dreaming about uh, your Fantastic Four movie that's going to be part of the MCU. Axios sources say that Amazon will no longer tell its U.S. third-party merchants that they can't offer products for a lower price on non-Amazon platform. That change comes three months after Senator Richard Blumenthal urged the Department of Justice to open an antitrust investigation into Amazon's policies based on that fact. Amazon dropped a similar requirement for merchants in Europe under regulatory pressure there in 2013. Uh, I in the, speaking of having Elizabeth Warren on the brain, uh, in the wake <laughs> of that, you know, break up Amazon, they do stuff like this. That was one of her examples. Is they do stuff like this. I feel like this is a better example of how to deal with these companies. You you identify the particular issue, you bring it to regulatory attention, and you see what happens. In this case, Amazon just backed away and said, you know what, we don't want to deal with regulatory scrutiny on this. We'll stop doing it, and that's good. That that is a better way than saying let's just wholesale break Amazon up. I'm not saying breaking up a company should never be a solution. It should certainly be one, but it's a very extreme solution, and there may be better, more targeted solutions to try first. Well, yeah, and and back to our era conversation, Amazon is big enough that you know, another company could fly under the radar with this kind of behavior. Perhaps I'm sure it's already happening. I don't have any examples myself, but but Amazon is 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 kind of too big to be to to do this because there's so many third party sellers on its platform to say you can't you know you can't undercut us anywhere else um, ends up yeah you got all sorts of problems you know artificially inflating prices and 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 what ends up happening in, in scenarios like this. Yeah well- it also it also it surprises me that this is something that happened in Europe six years ago Mm -hmm. um and it took this long for amazon to get enough pressure on the u.s to say all right we won't do this here either well we're the freewheel in the united states you know we we take longer to get around to this sort of stuff i guess and and we tend to punish businesses less uh than europe well and amazon's uh doing plenty of other harm to third-party sellers (laughs) in other ways too well this yeah this won't be the last one of these issues to come up uh and and if anyone's wondering well wait a minute why can't amazon just say what they want to say and people can choose not to be on the amazon platform. That's the point. That's the point with antitrust is if Amazon were a small company uh, and said, hey, folks, you can't list your stuff here unless you give us the best price you're selling it anywhere. Uh, the the individual uh, retailers could say, well, fine, then we won't list there. And Amazon would suffer and then they would change change their policy potentially. Or maybe they'd have a great way to convince people. But when Amazon is sort of the lifeblood of your business. And it's like, well, if we don't list there, we will go out of business. That's abusing market dominance to say, we're going to we're gonna dictate your prices on other platforms because you can't help but sell here. And that's that's the contention that a judge would look at and say whether that was true or not. But that that's why you bring an antitrust case, roughly speaking. OpenAI announced Monday it's restructuring from a nonprofit company 
to a capped profit company. Under the new structure, profits in excess of 100 times the return from OpenAI will pass to an overarching nonprofit. Profits below 100 times return on investment will be given to investors. The idea is to make it possible to raise the billions it needs from investors while still retaining some element of that nonprofit company it started out as, which pledged to focus on positive human impact over financial obligations. So bit of a tightrope that they're walking right now. The OpenAI nonprofit will still govern the for-profit OpenAI limited partnership and use any money above that 100x return for reduction or education rather. <laughs> it will not reduce education. It will increase education and advocacy. It's worth noting that the 100x cap is only for the current round. Future rounds of investment will have a smaller multiplier. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing that's getting lost in a lot of this conversation because there is a lot to unpack here. OpenAI started by the way, Elon Musk was one of the founders of it. Uh, he's sort of backed mm-hmm. away from it amicably uh, and not not really involved in it anymore if you still make that association. But OpenAI's idea was there's a lot of companies doing this for profit. We want to be the company that pushes for ethics and pushes those other companies to have ethics by being a nonprofit. Uh, and one recent example of that was when OpenAI decided not to release all of the details of an algorithm they created because they felt that you know it could be used irresponsibly. And then they wanted to work on fixing that first, but they wanted to make people aware of the issue. Great example of, of a company doing that. Also, Google and Facebook have been very open with a lot of their AI technology. And it's not entirely down to OpenAI, but OpenAI is one of the things that sort of encourages that behavior. So them becoming a a for-profit institution, even if it's under a nonprofit, is a way to try to solve for the fact that OpenAI isn't getting the dollars to compete with the engineers that are going to places like Google, uh, and they need that money to be able to create these resources. Now, the bet is that OpenAI will eventually create an algorithm that's so successful that they'll be bringing in billions of dollars because at 100x, a million-dollar investment would get everything up to a billion dollars in return, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to be making billions and billions of dollars to actually have any money go into the nonprofit at that point. Uh, but the fact that they're going to do a limited round for that and then be like 20x, 10x, I think means they're doing this to get investors' attention, get some of them in the door, make it a fashionable thing to be an investor in open AI again, uh, and then they can reduce that return so that more money will be going into the nonprofit earlier. Yeah, and I think if anyone listens to the story and says, well, the the fear obviously is that People will be pocketing money and this, this whole nonprofit thing is, is, has all been a big ruse. And this is, this is, you know, where it all falls apart. All open AI has to do to, to, to squash all of that is be super transparent about where money's yeah. going, who it's coming from and, and, and where it's being invested. And if they do that right, I don't really have a problem with this. Yeah, I, it could go either way. I'm not, I'm not saying it's guaranteed to not have any problems. And granted, there's there's more chance for abuse when you have a for-profit institution like this. But putting a cap on those profits does sort of redirect the attention to like, hey, our main point is to fund the the overarching nonprofit and to be ethical. Also, the board is made up of the people who it's made up of now. They have some rules in place to stop people from kind of packing that board and changing the ethical outlook. It reminds me a lot of the Mozilla Foundation, to be honest, uh, in the way that it's it, it's constructed uh, mm-hmm. and in being a company that can bring in a profit, but also try to be transparent and, and be for the public good. Mozilla, by the way, has launched an end-to-end encrypted file transfer service, Firefox Send. This was originally part of Firefox's test pilot browser, and it's now just a feature on its own. 
Uh, Firefox account holders can share files up to 2.5 gigabytes between browsers, one gigabyte uh, for everybody else. So if you have a Chrome browser, you've never used Firefox, you don't have an account with Firefox, you can go to Firefox Send and send a gigabyte file to anyone securely. Uh, It's also getting uh, a bunch of other features. All users can choose when a file link expires, the number of downloads that can happen before it expires, and you can even add an optional password. Uh, And recipients can receive files using any browser as well. A Firefox and Android app also in beta. Uh, So this is a way to say, look, if you don't want to mess with creating an account at Box, uh, if you don't trust a lot of these send it uh, programs out there because you don't know what they're doing with your data, here's one that's going to be end-to-end encrypted. Uh, Granted, you have to trust Firefox, but if you trust Firefox to send it, then you're going to have a, a better experience feeling secure. Yeah, you sent me a file this morning. Worked like a charm. Yeah, and I did it in Chrome. I have a Firefox account from my Firefox browser, but I didn't log into it. I just wanted to be like, oh, let's see, let's see how the easy this is for. Yeah, you know, it, that kind of tripped me up too this morning because I was like, Firefox account? I don't have one of those, but I do because before I kind of switched over to Chrome, and Chrome is my browser of choice these days, both on desktop and mobile. But I was a Firefox user for many years, and that's the account is how you can sync your bookmarks and your uh, uh, search history and and all sorts of stuff. I do have a Firefox account. Yeah, you, you, a lot of people might and not even know it, uh, so it's it's worth checking out. Also, hey, two point five gigabytes is um is does come in handy, Pretty especially massive. with video. Yeah. If you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right. 30th anniversary of the proposal. The original proposal of the World Wide Web is today, uh, March 12th, 1989. It's when Tim Berners-Lee said, you know, I'm taking this uh, hypertext and some DNS stuff and I'm I'm thinking of putting it all together. What do you think? I'm handing this in. Uh, From the Web Foundations page at ForTheWeb.WebFoundation.org, this is a, a page that is is describing something called the Contract for the Web. That is a, a, an initiative that Tim Berners-Lee is starting to try to improve the way the web works. It says, 30 years ago, we sent letters and envelopes with stamps. Answers were hard to find. Shopping always meant leaving the house. Breaking news was delivered to our doorstep or on a TV channel. We got lost often because we didn't have Google Maps or Waze or Apple Maps. Tim Berners-Lee posted an open letter to mark the 30th anniversary of the day he submitted that proposal, and he identifies the problems of the web. But I wanted to read that first phrase there to show, like, the web has improved the lives of everyone who can use it uh, immeasurably. If you think back to the way you worked in 1989, things work better because of the web. But it's not that there aren't problems. Here are the ones Tim Berners-Lee identified. Deliberate, malicious use of the web by states, by criminals, by people who just want to harass others. A flawed system design that sacrifices user value for things like clickbait to drive traffic or viral misinformation uh, for other purposes. And the third thing he identified is unintended negative consequences of well-intentioned design. Posting, uh, He pointed mostly at the poor quality of online discourse. Uh, so essentially saying, gosh, we created these social networks because we thought it'd be great. And it turns out to make everybody angry at each other. What's that about? So he says, the way we solve malicious use by states, criminals, and harassers is better designed laws. He's like, you'll never get rid of criminals. You'll never get rid of states trying to spy each other. But we can have better laws that really help reduce that behavior. 
Second is to redesign the web to change the incentives that lead to clickbait and viral misinformation. He says, I, th- I think we could do this. I think we can, we can design a better web that doesn't reward people who just want to drive up the numbers. And he says, research is what we need for the th- to understand the third. We need to find out why the way we have the web now drives people to outrage, drives people to be angry with each other, drives otherwise friendly people who might love each other in person to hate each other online. He's like, we need to look into that. And the thing that got me the most in this letter is he warned against reacting to online problems with simplistic narratives. And I think this is extremely important because all of us, myself included, are guilty of saying, well, you know, what we just need to do is shut that down or end that or change this. Here's what he wrote. You can't just blame one government, one social network or the human spirit. Simplistic narratives risk exhausting our energy as we chase the symptoms of these problems instead of focusing on their root causes. To get this right, we will need to come together as a global web community. And I can't stress this enough. I agree 100% that the problem, and I I say this all the time when we're talking about Facebook uh, and we're talking about Cambridge Analytica, is we need to figure out the problem and not waste our energy chasing the symptoms. Because if we don't figure out the problem, we'll spend a lot of time fixing things that won't actually fix things. Now, the contract for the web, uh, he says, must not be a list of quick fixes, but a process that signals a shift in how we understand our relationship with our online community. and must be clear enough to act as a guiding star for the way forward, but flexible enough to adapt to the rapid pace of change in technology. It's our journey from digital adolescence to a more mature, responsible and inclusive future. Now, Sarah, I don't know about you, but I started reading this with my my head a little bit distracted, saying, "Yeah, yeah, I know uh, things things could get better. We get it." Uh, but the when I paid attention to what he was saying, I I started to get a tiny little glimmer of hope that if other people paid attention, and that's always the problem, that yeah, maybe we could all figure out like, oh, most of us actually want a better world online, and it is not impossible. Mr. Berners-Lee might consider a uh, career in politics, uh, and I'm, I'm only half kidding. I think, yes, I, I am with you on this. It's very easy to be cynical and say, it's too far gone. We can't walk it back. The web is a mess. You know, it's, we're, we're all using it. We're all addicted to it. But there's nothing we can do. We created this mess, and now we, you know, we're just sort of living in it. But I think that – and you're right. The you know, fixing symptoms instead of a root problem – is you know it's it's a, it's a whack-a-mole situation right but the the thing is is like with cambridge analytica well we knew what the problem was i mean it goes down to money and power really i mean if you're really going to drill down to like what are the actual problems here so who are the people that need to fix it well in many cases it's government because those are the people who can force change um in other cases it's something like google search not um not surfacing, you know, a bunch of garbage. Everyone at Google who works at Google understands this. Probably some of them care more than others, but it's, it's, I, I feel like a lot of these problems are quite well known. It's just a very complicated thing to dismantle at times. My very unpopular opinion uh, that, that I, I try to be very careful about espousing because it can be misunderstood very easily is that Cambridge Analytica wasn't the problem. Uh, 
Cambridge Analytica, to me, is a very specific situation where the attitude of the internet was the problem at the time. At the time, you felt like, hey, data, it's free. You know, everybody's giving data away and we just share it with each other. And this one professor took advantage of that and gave it to somebody for his own good. And that somebody was Cambridge Analytica. And they, of course, took advantage of that professor uh, and took the data. And where my opinion gets unpopular is I don't know that that much damage was done. And I know people flatly disagree with me and they say, well, look at the evidence. Well, the evidence does. There's no evidence that this is what caused anything. And that's where I back off and say, instead of focusing on that one, instead of focusing on the stuff that gets the headlines, maybe we focus on what effect is causing uh, people to be upset. What effect is causing the transmission of virality uh, and and false information and misinformation? And that's what I like about Tim Berners-Lee. He's like, let's not look at any particular case unless solving these bigger problems directs us there because that's treating the symptom. Let's actually figure out, like, we know misinformation being spread is a problem. Instead of looking at particular example, let's look at a, a wider view of how it gets spread. And we've, we've talked about a few of those studies on the show before. And so mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's important to get this right and pay attention to it. Uh, and like you say, uh, going into politics is something he recommends. He's like, we need to have people running for office who are committed to an open web and the principles that underlie it. Yeah. I, 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 I also agree with him that we've got, and, and with you, Tom, that that we have to figure out, yeah, why do people act the way that they do online when we're we're all aware that 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 we would we would act differently um, with with our with our fellow humans were they sitting next to us or or, or enjoying a coffee or, or whatever it is. There is a specific way on the internet that people act, and that's why we call them trolls. I mean, it's it's this is all part of life now. If anyone's on the internet, it's part of your life. And there is a lot of research being done. And how does this how does this affect brains? How does this affect kids? How does this affect everybody? And a lot of it is really negative. I and I think the more data we have on that, the better. But I don't know how you change people unless well, yeah, you change the tools that they I don't, have. I would submit you probably don't need to change people. That most people are willing to do the better behaviors if that becomes the norm. And there are small examples of communities that have been able to do that out there. And this kind of rhetoric from Tim Berners-Lee is what you need to say like, hey, stop just focusing on the guy who gets your attention because he says 10 horrible things on Twitter and start focusing on how does this actually work and how do we encourage people to be their best selves online? That to me is the real question. Uh, Good question. Yeah. Um, the people that I believe are their best selves are the people in our subreddit who participate <laughs> every day. See what I did there? Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. I love you all. You know who else I love? People who hang out in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. They say, hate the sin, not the sinner. We don't care that you're on Facebook or Reddit. We think you're awesome. That's why that's, we are there. That's correct. Let's check out the mailbag. Let's. Uh, this one comes from uh, Brad, who says, greetings to my most favorite of news production teams. Thank you, Brad. Brad says, it's been a week and DTNS for Roku is stable and has been initially well-reviewed. If you'd be willing, I'd appreciate your feedback. You can get it now at my.roku.com slash ad slash DTNS. 
Uh, Roku uh, also has a channel store, channelstore.roku.com slash details slash 86190 slash DTNS. <laughs> I think you could just search for it in the in the Roku store too, and it should should pop up. Uh, Very but, cool, Brad. Yeah, thank you, Brad, for, for making that. And it's awesome. Uh, and of course, we do want uh, people to try it out. Uh, this is not operated by us. It's operated by Brad. Uh, so be nice to Brad. Uh, you know, re- re- report bugs responsibly and all of that. But we love that he did, did this. So thank you, Brad. Really appreciate it. Brad, you're the best. You are our star pupil. And maybe not pupil. You are a star boss. All right. Uh, our goal each month is to get one more patron than last month. And you could be that patron. Uh, we're actually right now just a couple people ahead. But don't let that soften you up. Uh, if you've been thinking about joining, there's lots of reasons to join anyway, even if you're not just the one. It'd be great if we were 10 more than last month and you could be part of that as well. Become a DTNS member right now and you'll get an ad-free RSS feed from Patreon that you can put into your podcast player of choice. Uh, you get special episodes from myself. We just had uh, a Threatwire cross post from Shannon Morse about RSA from last week go up at patreon.com slash DTNS. There's other columns from Roger uh, and things like that. So sign up right now at patreon.com slash DTNS. If you've got feedback for us, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We are live Monday through Friday. Join us if you can, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC, and find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Tomorrow is Wednesday, and Wednesday means Scott Johnson. We'll talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 